Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Uh, all right, we got our Counterpoint guests in and set to go. We got John Raz, former Liberal War Room director, and Bill Hutchison, journalism professor over at Seneca and former journalist with CTV. Hello. Hey there. Hello. Hi ho. Hi ho. Um, Toronto police, of course, we were just chatting about this case with St. Mike's, and we won't spend too much time on this, but uh, one of the things that came out in the press conference today was a comment by the inspector saying that this culture um, has not been going on in previous years and that there is no systematic issue. You know, we've heard from a number of alumni who have come forward over the years suggesting otherwise. Uh, where are you on this, Bill? Well, perhaps it's a perspective thing for the alumni that, uh, you know, the extent to which it's happened. I mean, the, this incident that happened, the original incident that came to light about the the broomstick, uh, obviously was pretty extreme. So yeah. perhaps they're saying it wasn't that extreme, but there's obviously been a culture there that protected Well, you can't even put the, this hazing. one in a hazing category because yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely not, hazing, not yes. hazing. So, But, but yeah. there's been a culture there and it's built towards this. And perhaps this is the worst incident, the worst uh, example of it. But... That's been stuff like that's been going on for a long time. The alumni have have come forward and said, I'm not, uh, I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, I do get uh, notes from alumni who say, look, this is not true. It did not happen. Uh, You know, it's just media driven. But again, we're not telling these people to come forward. And I'm not suggesting anyway that St. Mike's is a problem school. I think it'll be just fine. It's going to take a while to work out these issues. But I don't have any, you know, uh, ill feeling towards the school. And I, and I do think that they'll be okay. You put a bunch of men together, or young men, or even boys, and you will end up with Lord of the Flies. And we always have. The, the same thing with, let's let, you could do that with girls. Girls can be pretty darn mean, too. I, I'll, In fact, but, I'd say but, meaner. I can't necessarily speak to that. But I, mm-hmm. I went to an all-boys uh, all school, et cetera, and uh, there were hazing uh, rituals and uh, certainly a lot of roughhousing and a lot of shaming going on. And that was considered by the patriarchy, the word of 2018, the patriarchy uh, uh, who ran the school to be considered normal behavior that brought out the best in terms of instincts of competition and survival. And that's the way it is, and the world is changing. All right, um, let's talk a little bit about the year-end uh, interview that Justin Trudeau did, not just with the media in general today, but he did sit down with a Mercedes Stevenson, and, and boy, getting a lot out of these year-end interviews the conversation, um, a lot of it was about China, obviously. Trudeau was saying that he's willing to give China the benefit of the doubt, saying that the Canadians, all three of them now taken into custody, uh, aren't connected to this. But because of the uh, Huawei arrest, but these Canadians essentially have been kidnapped. And Trudeau did tell Mercedes when asked, you know, that he had not talked to any of his Chinese counterparts uh, because of process, to which I say, I get that, but not at all. It, it's ridiculous. I, for him to say that he doesn't believe they're connected, he has to be the only person in the entire country who believes that, if he in fact believes that. I don't think the person who wrote the answer for him to memorize even believes that. So, uh, Yeah, there's some... Qu- I mean, the, wo- the woman not- that was taken into custody today is said to be a teacher. 
I'm not sure I'll believe China on anything. And I just, I, it would be an awfully big coincidence that a female teacher's taken into Chinese custody that's not connected to this. I think this is interesting insofar as up to about uh, the beginning of the Trump presidency, these sorts of nuanced uh, disavowals and this sort of rhetoric was completely normal when we were in the Cold War mm-hmm. with the Soviet Union. And in our relationships with China, we've always tried to give them space and dignity. They do not like to be shamed. That's a shame-based culture. And so we would do these diplomatic dances. And then Trump came and turned the entire world on its head and says the unthinkable, the unsayable, well, he says what it confronts is. it. Yeah. It might be one of the few benefits of a Trump presidency. I mean, if he didn't have bits of filet of fish in his head in the middle. You know, so look, uh, what Trudeau is doing is I can imagine the very same sentence coming out of his father's mouth or Brian Mulroney's mouth in this sort of a situation, no problem back in the day. First first of all, if it came out of either of their mouths, they would have come up with a thought initially themselves. It would not have been written out for them. Second of all, it would have been a lot uh, more cleverly worded. So that it wasn't quite as obvious. I mean, I don't blame him for the. I mean, look, I, I get the sense that they have to be very, very careful with what they say. I'm just finding a lot of. We're getting a lot of non-answers right now. We'll move into the next one because I want you to both to listen to this because he was asked point blank about keeping this security risk here, given the fact that our Five Eye allies have spoken to the Trudeau government twice this year. Um, warned for years that Huawei cannot remain part of Canada given the national security risks. And this was his response to Mercedes. Take a listen. In China, one of the rules is that any company must work for Chinese intelligence if it is requested. Huawei, of course, is hoping to come here to Canada uh, and have their 5G network. And a number of your Five Eyes allies have advised this is not a good idea. They've refused it in their own countries. You say the bureaucrats are looking at this. But as the prime minister, after watching this unfold, why would you ever allow Huawei to operate here? We are a country that has among the top Uh, national security and intelligence officers in the world. Our agencies are top-notch and are very, very carefully assessing and examining uh, risks to Canada uh, and and what to do best to protect them. John. Well, I'm sorry, (laughs) the the look look of exasperation on my face. Canada is notorious for a lot of things. We are one of the nicest, most decent, pleasant places to live in the world. But never have I heard anybody say, and never have I seen anybody write, that we are at anywhere near the top of the heap in terms of cybersecurity and national security and intelligence. And I know a lot of boot boys from all the services, and they'd be the first ones to say they don't have enough money, they're underfunded, they're completely overwhelmed, and they can't keep up with people like the Chinese. But CSIS came out last week and essentially warned Canadians right before this thing happened. And and clearly the Trudeau government was warned, but we didn't get an answer. What's your answer? Yes or no? Are we with our allies or are we with China? Were you expecting him to give you a direct answer? I was not. Three years of of listening to him, he has yet to give a direct answer to anything like that. She asked him point blank, "Is is China a national security to Canada? And he went on and on about trade relations. He has not given a straight answer to anything. If, if it's not in his talking points, he doesn't know how to answer that. I mean, look, it would be better if he said, look, I cannot comment on these because we are in the middle of a security issue. I think Canadians would understand that and say, OK, but That's at not some what was point, scripted for him. he's going to have to take a position on this because it's not going away. It's a long process. And at some point, he's going to have to say something because the extradition part of this in about six, another six weeks that the Americans have to charge and, her. And his answer, his answer uh, also... Uh, slagged all of our allies who find uh, Huawei uh, a threat in 5G. He's just basically said, we're much better than they are at, at looking into this, so they don't know what they're talking about. 
Yeah, look, the fact that they had to come and speak with him, his government, twice, it wasn't even the prime minister's office, twice this, this year, it's obviously a concern, John. Would be very, very frightened. We are, you know, hunting rabbits here, basically. Like, like, like. Whenever I listen to Trudeau, I wonder if he's getting high on his own supply, because uh, it, it is. It's patently absurd that they should they should even be allowed to discuss entering here after all of our allies did that. And it's also patently obvious that Trudeau does not want to compromise whatever trade relations and trade pacts need to be signed. That he also answered not only to Beijing but to Washington in all of his answers, and we are currently the North Korea to China of the United States. We we are the dog. Meanwhile, on the leash. Canadians are being kidnapped in China, and uh, you know we have no warnings as to whether they should go. They're not sending their own officials, but they're not telling Canadians to go. And we've ruined relations with uh, every India. superpower and, and pretty much every trading partner we have. That is true. Last point, uh, John. We'll go to I don't think we've ruined our trade relations. I think people see us how for what we are. trade relations with China now? How are they with uh, India? They how are, are they with Russia? New Zealand's not fine. too happy with us. Australia's not too happy. They're with just us. fine. Saudi trade Arabia's is not flowing. too happy. Money is being made. It's just fine. Tariffs we are, are, we are just being shown to be what we are, Duties which is are a big straw into the ground for a variety of other powers. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 8.34 here on this Wednesday. We got John Raz and Bill Hutchison joining us. And uh, this headline came out kind of buried in the day's news, but the uh, Trudeau Liberals suggesting that a guaranteed national minimum income. Uh, could be program could in fact be an option, um, as they say they're searching for ways to help Canadian workers adapt to this unsteady and shifting labor market. In other words, they have no plans to get uh, growth up in uh, investment in this country, so they're looking at ways to. I mean, this this will be. It's clear that they're dangling this John for a campaign promise that they will run on, and I know it's very popular. But I'm like, how are we paying for this? In the absence of Mr. Singh's uh, efficacy, popularity, or even appearance anywhere, they just took every NDP vote in the country. This is pure socialism. Uh, And I don't think it's particularly Canadian, and I certainly don't think it's liberal. And I would like to say that to all my liberal brethren and sisters out there. This is not liberalism. This is social democracy. Be very cautious before they take take away everything you've earned and competed for. Well, you know, because they're not just talking about this. They're also talking about a pharmacare program, which would be... uh, you know, put together by Eric Hoskins, who you recall what he did to healthcare in Ontario. But again, we're talking massive social programs across this country. Sure, you make everyone dependent on the government, then you can't vote the government out. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have nationalized oil. Everything's exactly. Yeah, and, and if you ruin the economy, <laughs> if you ruin the economy and everyone loses their jobs, if the government's giving you money to to live on, well, then everybody's dependent on that government. You can't vote them out. Yeah. The problem is Milton Freeman came out with his idea of the basic minimum income. Yeah. And it, it was, in theory, not a bad idea. But the other side of it, though, the side that governments seem to always forget is that this was going to get rid of, yes. of uh, affordable, ho- supported uh, housing. It's going to get rid of welfare. It's going to get rid of the drug benefit programs. It's going to get rid of the disability support. There's going to be none of those supports. We're going to get rid of all that bureaucracy. And you're just going to get this one check. And that was the way it's supposed to work. Of course, we saw in Ontario, that's not how it worked at all. Everything was still churning, you know, chugging along there. Uh, even in Hamilton, where they're testing yeah. it out, in Thunder Bay, where they're testing it out, people were able to, to access all of the other supports as well as that. So the bureaucracy would continue. 
and they looked at, at the cost of this in Ontario, if they spread it out across the entire province, and it'd be $28 billion, $28 billion just in Ontario. So if you took that across the country, how much is that? And where are we going to get that money, as you said, when we're running a 20, 20, what's that, $27 billion deficit? Yeah, look, I'm not adamantly opposed or for this. I just haven't if seen it work it right. anywhere. And again, if you could do I think it right. And if we've you never, do it right, yeah. and we just haven't had proof that any government can actually get rid of its bureaucracy because they're just so addicted to it. Lots of countries have tried this. And it hasn't uh, all, worked. all of the nation states that composed the uh, Soviet Union, as I recall, did something like this. And so did Cuba and half of Latin America. And as I recall, none of it worked out. And my family had to run for their lives. So let's carry on. Right. But but again, it's smart to do before an election because it will have broad appeal. And that's a low hanging fruit. To all the people who voted for uh, legalized marijuana and who are now using it uh, heavily, then they vote for Free basic income. Nobody can get any. Yeah, that's true. They're out of supply. Um, all right. I, I found this poll interesting. Uh, Leger has int- uh, introduced a new poll revealing that apparently Alberta oil is, in fact, very socially acceptable to Quebec. The numbers suggest 73% of Quebecers asked, you know, where do you prefer their, you know, their oil source to come from? And they say the West. And there was a massive protest in Alberta today. These are happening all the time. And if you know Alberta at all, they're not a protesting, they're a very laid back province. They don't make noise. But this was a 22 kilometer convoy of trucks just south of Edmonton. The protests are getting bigger. And Andrew Shear was out there uh, today. Here was his message about the uh, Trudeau government's handling of this crisis. The Liberal government announced $1.6 billion in a variety of packages aimed at helping out the people who have been hit hard by this downturn. And again, in typical Alberta fashion, the message sent back to Ottawa loud and clear, we don't need handouts, we just want to get back to work. And what a great message that was delivered. So look, I mean, I don't know if these polling numbers are accurate, but if we're to take away anything, it would be worth the investigation. Make it a referendum issue. Like, honestly, if 73% oh, like the, of Quebecers... the voting public actually have a say well, in Well, the numbers don't match with the words of Legault and Mr. Trudeau. No, absolutely they don't. And and economically, it makes sense to to build a pipeline to bring the oil from Alberta uh, east it's to... It's already to built. Ottawa. It's a teeny, 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 tiny little section that Which needs got, to be yeah, finished off to, in Quebec. Yes, you've got it's to built. extend it. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous that you haven't done that. Because now you're bringing in oil by tankers from Saudi Arabia and from Venezuela, and that makes no sense at all. And you're paying world prices, which are around $60 a barrel versus Alberta oil, which is getting $11, $12 a barrel. So it doesn't make any sense at all. And and their objection to the dirty oil in Alberta really doesn't uh, doesn't take into account the amount of technology that's that's been advanced uh, out in Alberta. We have some of the toughest environmental standards for mm-hmm. for pulling the oil out of the oil sands. It's not the way it was in the 80s when I was out there. And I was out in, in Alberta when the National Energy Program, by the way, and mm-hmm. the anger out there was is about the same as it was it is as it is today. But there are new te- there's new technology that can take that oil out of there without. Uh, causing the environmental damage that people claim it, it, it will. Well, you know, imagine how many billions and billions and billions of dollars Alberta could put into uh, research and technology if they hadn't had to give it all to Quebec. But I do find the numbers interesting. If they're this high, then there's it's worth having a discussion uh, about really pushing for the last bit of energy east. I, I don't like finding conspiracy and chaos, but it seems to me that prior to uh, being uh, prime minister-elect and then the prime minister, Justin Trudeau, was fairly vociferous and rather vocal about his opposition to dirty oil and uh, his promotion with his friends, Gerald Butts from the World Wildlife Federation and their kin in terms of environmental 
responsibility and the diminishment, if not erasure, of all you know fossil fuel extraction. They changed their tune as they were elected. It, well, they it all looks do. to not me like, like they're talking they out of both sides of their mouth. Yeah. There's money here. There's money there. There's not an inch of pipeline being built right now. All the plans are there. We still haven't built a foot of pipeline towards Tidewater, something else we have to do a lot closer and than they Quebec. won't, so long as they're in power. And I suspect that you might be right, Bill, which is too bad because we need it's that. It's too bad that I'm right or too bad that they're not going to. I've always thought it was too bad that you were right, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. That well, it's you not and your happening. brethren seem to be more right these days than your uh, little cousins. So you know. All right, guys, I got to wrap it up. I got another interview to do. So get out of my office now. Thank you very much, Bill Hutchinson, John Mraz. Always a pleasure, and I thank you, and I wish both of you a merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Behave. And this is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.